Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Welcome to this session on finding and using a sponsor. My name is Steve, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. I will be facilitating this session. I am joined by Eric H. And I'm getting the mic really close. That's right. Uh, Each of us will share our recovery on this topic. Then we will take time to answer questions. Questions will be taken from an Ask It basket. If you wish to participate, write your questions on a three-by-five card and place it on the table. There you go. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. We ask that you please silence all cell phones. Let us open with the serenity prayer. God, grant us serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. This is the essay purpose. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem to help others recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others achieve sobriety. Panelists share, and then questions will be answered. All right, as I said, I'm Steve. I'm a sex addict. I am from Nashville, Tennessee. This is where this is where I uh, got sober. Uh, the topic is on finding and using a sponsor. I can only share from my experience of, of what I did and as a sponsor, you know, I can share from that, but I'll share you a little bit about my experience finding a sponsor. Um, I got, anyway, I'm so, I've been sober 10 years, consecutive 10 years. I've been in the fellowship for 22 years of the 22 years. I have been sober 20, right? So, that being said, let's go back 22 years. When I came into SA, I was absolutely scared to death. And we were talking in lingo that I didn't understand. I didn't know what a sponsor was. Uh, I didn't know what the steps were. I didn't understand fellowship. 
right? There's a lot of lingo that goes around that if you're new, you have absolutely no idea what is being said, right? So anyway, um, I think I had gone to a meeting or actually I had started going to Alcoholics Anonymous because I'm also a recovering alcoholic, but, uh, and I was sitting in the meetings and I just, I kept hearing, you know, get a sponsor, work steps, go to meetings, get a sponsor, work steps, go to meetings, blah, 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 blah. The same old story. Um, and so I had come into my essay meeting and I decided, okay, well, I'm going to try this sponsor thing. I really don't understand what it is. Uh, but I heard them say, Hey, if you see somebody who has something that you like, ask them to be your sponsor. And so I remembered that there was this good looking guy who made money and he had a really pretty wife. And I thought, that's what I want. And I asked him to be my sponsor. And to tag along with that, I was also our, not, not that it was told to me directly, but you would hear it in a meeting. You know, you could ask a homeless man in Centennial Park to run your life and they'd do a better job than you, right? Uh, you could ask a complete stranger, blah, blah, blah. And so I just kind of took that on for size. And quite frankly, it worked out quite well. Uh, Alan C was my first sponsor when I came in to Sexaholics Anonymous. Uh, I was scared to death. I kind of believe, I think there's an old proverb that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Right? At that point, I don't believe there's a wrong way. Right? And uh, I was ready. And I fumbled through it. Uh, And I called him every day. He said, I want you to call me every day. And I would write down a list of what he said do, and I would do it. And I, almost by the time we hung up the phone, I had already, okay, here's my gratitude list. <laughs> yeah, because I was hurting really bad, and I, was, I had to do something different than what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And without me knowing it, I had, com- I had bought into step one. My life was absolutely unmanageable by me. I could not do it, and I knew that I was powerless over lust. In my use of a sponsor was I just did what he said do. <laughs> I don't, I, I wish I could make it, you know, something really more than that, but that's really what it was. Uh, and as I did what he had suggested, I started becoming more honest with myself and other people, right? Because I think when, when I came, I didn't know what I was in for. You know what I'm saying? I was like in the last meeting, I, I just wanted to stop hurting. All right. I wasn't in for a club. I wasn't in for anything. I just wanted the pain to go away. And I didn't have an answer for it. And I was just, just a little bit willing to give this thing a try. And that was it. I don't, like I said, I, I wish I had some really super deep insight. Uh, but what I have found for me is it doesn't work unless I follow suggestions. You know what I'm saying? It, it, and, and I, I tried to do it by myself. Right. I tried to go through the steps and read it and understand it and dissect it. And I can only get so far. One of the things he had said to me is that it's like you got a, like a broken computer. It's like you get stuck in this loop. Right. And that's the way I've lived my life. Right. I was stuck in a loop uh, and always trying to find a way out, a, a hamster on a wheel, if you will. Um, 
And just like most people, you know, I turned my sponsor into my dad, right? I didn't, I came in with all kinds of needs. I turned my employers into my dad, but like good sponsors, they know when to draw lines, right? The important thing for me was to be who I was. Because if this sex addict, I will walk into a room and I will start trying to be who you think I need to be, if that makes any sense. I've scanned the audience, and I'm thinking, what the, and I'll start catering to that, right? Uh, that doesn't work. I find out that's ego, right, and that's fear. So I have got to learn how to be real and have enough courage to be myself. And one of the amazing things that Alan used to say to me is he goes, you know, you're a good guy. I would call, you know, I'd burn him up on the phone. I'd just, and he'd say, you're a good guy. You're just another bozo on the bus, right? And that's not how I felt on the inside. That's not, I felt like I was crazy. I knew for sure I was in the wrong place. I thought that my place was at Centennial Park in the mental hospital. That's really where I should be. But I'll play along with this, and we'll see where it goes. Um, and then somewhere he had convinced me, and and just like they, like I heard it said in the meetings, you know, come and let us love you until you can love yourself. I was full of self hatred, full of anger and fear. That was that was what ruled my life. And. I think slowly and gradually following his suggestions and talking to him about what's going on, you know, and forcing myself to be honest about what was going on, right? I will lie in the middle of a sentence and don't even know that I'm lying, right? Because that's what I am. That's what I do. It's a protective mechanism that goes way back. And somewhere I learned how to catch myself and say, no, I take that back. I was actually thinking about this, or I was going to do this, or I was going to do that. And lo and behold, I found out that when I could be me, I wasn't so loathsome as I thought. Um, there are a lot of people in the fellowship in Nashville, Tennessee, who I love dearly. I can honestly tell you I was a, I was a low-bottom drunk. Uh, there were some people who were in the fellowship who remember me when I came in. I was as close to homeless as a man could be. I was as close to being in prison without being in prison as a man could be. I thought there was no other place for me. I'd figured the answer was probably going to be a, a gun in my mouth or I was going to get locked up. I was convinced that was my best answer. That was the answer that I had for my life. Fortunately, I found you guys and you said, oh, no, there's another answer. Yeah. And I'm eternally grateful for that. Um. As I, as you, I don't believe there's a wrong way to find a sponsor, right? Uh, because a sponsor is not a marriage, right? If it's not working, I can say, I want to go another route. You know, I can do that. I've had that happen. I've had my sponsors relapse on me. That really shook me up. It really did deeply because I thought, man, if they can't do it, because I put them up as God, you know, it's like, oh my God, if they can't do it, there's no way I can do it. Um, but I found that that's not true. Right. I turn my life and my will over to the to a higher power every day. And part of that is I turn my life and my will over to my sponsor's suggestions. It goes hand in hand for me. Right. Um, 
Anyway, um, I am extremely grateful for SA and AA, and I'm extremely grateful for the sponsors that I've had, the patience that they've, the things that they've said to me, the wisdom, right? Because I get, I get locked into a place where there's no way out inside of my brain. I don't know if you guys do this, but my brain will create scenarios where there is absolutely no way out except to act out or kill myself, right? That's what I do. I paint myself in a corner. I've had places where, I, like, my sponsor's like, well, do you believe in God? I'm like, absolutely not. I have, nope, and really don't have an interest in it. Um, and he's like, well, that's okay. Uh, you can use my God. And I'm like, huh. You know, or, or what really got me to step three was he said, do you believe that I believe? And I was like, uh, I can do that, Right. And it's little tricks like that that you, you're not going to get by doing it yourself, right? It's little things that you've got to have other people involved with it. You, and, and if you don't believe it, just keep trying it alone, right? Cause I've had my sponsors say, well, keep doing it, right? Keep doing it the way that you're doing it and call me when you're done, right? I've had sponsors tell me to go out and get drunk. Of course, they say it in a kind way. But I get what they're saying, and it's it's been absolutely what I've needed. So anyway, I wish I had more than that, uh, but I am grateful for this fellowship, and I am grateful for the sponsors and the people who have helped guide me in their patience and their understanding. Uh, and I, I couldn't have done it without it. I wouldn't be alive without these great men and other members of the fellowship. So that's it. Thanks, Steve. My name's Eric. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. And I've been uh, been sober for a little over five years this time around. But I've been uh, living recovery for, uh, well, since September of 99, a little over 20 years. And, and I say it that way because I have had some slips through the years. And uh, none of those slips were anywhere near as bad as what I was doing when 20 years ago. Uh, I, I, my forms of acting out were so extreme that, uh, I was putting my life at risk with the things I was doing and, uh, putting other people's lives at risk also. Uh, and I mean, this, I'm talking immediate risk. I'm not talking like the long-term risk that all of us do. Uh, 20 years ago, I had uh, reached that point where, uh, my wife had just left me, my wife of 30 years. And, uh, my career had completely stalled. I was trying to make a business work and had zero income for the year of 1999. And, uh, and I was putting my life at risk. I came to SA pretty desperate. Uh, I, I was absolutely at bottom. I had run out of ideas. I did not know where to go, did not know what to do, did not have any idea how I could dig myself out of the hole I was in. And 12-step programs promised that maybe they could do that for me. Now, from that point on, my relationship with my sponsors was like, <laughs> well, a few months ago, I was out in Colorado, Pueblo, Colorado, visiting a friend. And uh, we went fishing together in the Arkansas River, right below the dam there in Pueblo. And uh, there's some good fish in there. And I was lucky enough to catch an 18-inch trout. That's a big fish. 
And I felt really pleased and proud of myself in doing that. But I tell you what, when you catch a big fish, it's not a matter of just hooking the fish and then reeling it in. Because that fish is out there going back and forth and leading that line around, and I'm working with only a, a six-test line, and, and it's not going to hold a whole lot of pulling on that fish. And so you really have to play the fish, because if you pull too hard, you're just going to bust the line. And then when you get the fish even right there at your knees, you, you can't just kind of hold the fish there with the line. You've got to get a net under that fish pretty quick, because if you keep trying to hold it with the line, that fish is going to jerk around and pull. That was me with respect to sponsors. <laughs> That's what I was like. I have had five sponsors through the years, through the 20 years. And, and what I'd like to do is share my experience about how I found those sponsors and how I worked with them, what, what they did for me. The first sponsor I found was the first guy I met in SA, very first night in that moment of desperation when I just did not know what to do. I showed up at this church for an SA meeting. I didn't know what SA was. I didn't know the 12 steps. I'd laughed at 12-step groups before, but here I was in a position where I had to do something. And this guy comes walking toward me, and uh, he was the scariest-looking dude I think I'd ever met in my life. He had this big, broad-brimmed hat that hid most of his face, and what wasn't hidden was a huge beard that covered the rest of his face, and out of that beard there were two little beady black eyes and the stub of a cigar. And this guy comes toward me, and he I'm thinking to myself, I would never associate with this man in my life, but he has something I absolutely need or I'm going to be dead in a couple of months in the kind of stuff I'm doing. I'm going to have to follow what this guy tells me to do because I've got no other choice. And so I sat down with Rich, and he became my first sponsor. He talked me through what the program was about. Rich had at that time just over a year of sobriety. And I, in my infinite wisdom, figured that wasn't enough for me. And I needed another sponsor. And so after calling him sponsor but not doing anything for a few weeks, I started trying to find other meetings. Now, this was down in Central Florida, and there weren't very many meetings. And I managed to find a way to go to five meetings a week, but it required driving as much as an hour and a half to one of those meetings. And the reason I went to that one, because there was another fellow there who had three years of sobriety. And I said, man, three years, three years of this stuff, uh, he must have it. And so I asked him if he'd be my sponsor, and I kind of canned Rich after doing nothing with Rich. And this new guy told me, well, he said, yeah, you need to, uh, uh, you need to start writing on a step one. So, okay, I'll go write on a step one. And I read the white book all the way through in the first two weeks, and I had, a, I had my understanding of what it had to say. And so I started writing a step one, and I got 20 pages written on this step one. And I wasn't out of my teens yet. And about three weeks later, after writing all of this material, I carry it back into the meeting. I've been going to the meeting every week. And I carry it back into the meeting, and I said to him, uh, uh, Gene, can I, uh, can I sit down with you and talk over some of this stuff after this meeting? And he said, why would you want to do that? And I said, well, because you're my sponsor. And he says, am I your sponsor? <laughs> he says, you haven't called me. It's been three weeks, you haven't done anything, you haven't asked me what to do, you're just off there by yourself doing something. But So he taught me a little lesson there, and he took the material I'd written so far, and he scanned through it about this fast, and he says, this isn't going to work, you're going to have to start over, and he balled it up and he threw it away. 
he gave me help, though. Because, see, the problem was, in that time, although I called him sponsor, my real sponsor was me. I'm an intelligent man. It's one of the gifts God has given me. And I've spent a life of leadership, of teams, and I'm a very independent and self-motivated man. And so for me, I'm going to do recovery. I'm going to do recovery. I'm going to understand it, and I'm going to make it happen, and I'm going to do it in exactly the wrong attitude. Because what I needed was this huge dose of humility. And uh, Gene gave me some of that. Didn't all take, but he gave me some of it. And and I worked with him. By that time, my wife was still separated. We were separated for seven months before we came back together. And in coming back together, I had to move from Central Florida up to Pensacola, where she was living with her mother. And uh, that was a hard time. It was hard. That was one of the times I acted out during that move because I was just boggled. I couldn't figure out what to do with my life and going back to my wife and all the fears associated with that. And now I'm moving away from Jean. What do I do now? Well, a month later, I was at an SA International Convention. It was my second one. The first one had been here in Nashville in January of 2000. And, and I met people who really had recovery, and so I knew they were there. People with more than three years of recovery. And so I came to the second international convention that I went to, and I don't remember where it was. It might have been in San Diego, but I'm not sure, uh, July of 2000. And I came specifically to find somebody who could sponsor me, because what I found in Pensacola was almost a nothing group. At three months of sobriety, I had more sobriety than anybody in the group, and I was the fourth person there. And uh, and so I started I started at the convention looking for somebody and I found a fellow named Ben. He was a California lawyer. And so I started calling Ben frequently. Every day? No, I wasn't that good. But I started calling him at least twice a week and Ben started working me really through the steps. And I would write on the steps, and then I'd send them to him by email, and we'd sit on the phone and talk about what I'd written, and he'd give me some more guidance, and I'd go off and write some more stuff. And my experience of working with a sponsor to really work through the steps was that experience with Ben. And, and it's a matter of being willing to follow the direction of my sponsor and and to actually do the work to write the stuff that he was suggested that I write and then talk it over with him and compare that with what it said in the, by then I was working out of the Alcoholics Anonymous big book, to look at what it had to say in the big book and correlate that with what was going on and talk with him about it and gradually, very gradually learn, for me, new ways of thinking about myself. And about a year later, Ben slipped, just like your story, Steve. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so now he had less sobriety than I did at that point, and yet I still called him sponsor, and we kind of decided to sponsor each other and keep going. I'd, been work, I'd worked through most of the steps by that time. Uh, and that continued to work well until uh, Ben got tired of SA and decided he would leave the fellowship. And that left me in the lurch again. Where do I find a sponsor again? Well, I was still coming to conferences. I had the first 10 years of my recovery, I came to every conference twice a year. Uh, this was important to me because this was the place where I met people like Harvey and Bill S. and uh, Dave and just Gene and Sylvia and just all sorts of wonderful people here who really had what I wanted. I could see the shine in their eyes. I could say, I want that. 
I don't want to be this man who feels like I'm always down to everybody else. I want to be comfortable in my own skin, and I see that comfort in them. And so I came back here, and I asked a couple of people, and a couple of people said, no, they really had too many sponsees already. They didn't want to work remotely. Still nobody in Pensacola who was, had more sobriety than I did. The people in Pensacola were looking up to me. I'm sitting here trying to struggle myself, and they're all looking up to me because I had more sobriety than any of them. And, uh, and so I found another fellow named Patrick. And I listened to him in the conferences, listened to his shares, and he really sounded like he just had his stuff together. And I could see the shine in his face, too. And I said, I want that, okay? So I asked him, and he said, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Turns out he's another California lawyer. Who knew? And, uh, and, and in that time frame, I was beyond the point of actively working through the steps, and I was doing a lot of maintenance on the steps, and, and it worked differently with Patrick at that point. Because when I'd call him, I'd call him with a problem and he'd help me with my problem and he'd help me apply the steps to my current problem. And, and this is another way of working the steps that I really found useful with my sponsors ever since then. That, uh, they help me see for myself how I can apply my knowledge that I already have of the steps to this particular problem. And I vividly remember one time I called him with problems, and uh, and I was just wrapped around the axle, and Patrick stopped me, and he said, wait a second, he says, Eric, he says, what are you doing these days on step 12? And I said, well, I'm sponsoring a couple of guys. And he said, okay, that sounds pretty good. He says, what are you doing on step 11? And I told him, and he says, how about step 10? And in that phone call, we walked all the way back through the steps. And what I learned as he did that, and I've done this with other sponsees since, what I learned as he did that is that these steps build on each other. And it turned out the problem I was having that night was step one. And it came all the way back to step one to my willingness to believe that I couldn't be in charge. That when I get in charge, things fall apart. And my willingness to believe that was what was blocking me in that moment. And he showed me how each step builds on the one before it by going backwards through the steps that way. Really valuable stuff. Uh, unfortunately, Patrick decided to move in with a girlfriend. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, no, I don't think that's what I want, Patrick. That's really not the kind of sobriety that works for me. And so we paid it. We parted amicably. And I started looking again. And that was about the time uh, that I was uh, moving up here to Nashville. And I had known Bill S. for a lot of years. And I asked Bill to sponsor me. And since that time, it's uh, it's been more of the same, in which uh, I, about every year, Bill asks me, you know, have you done step four recently? Let's go through some stuff and just go through your life the last year and do another inventory and see how it's gone. And I will call him and talk about the things going on in my life. And most of the time when we call, it's just a call between friends. And we're talking about our lives and I hear his life and I hear my life. And and it's often I call him and, and Bill is just so calm that calling him is like going... And life just calms out during the phone call. And I sit down and have lunch with him or have dinner and I walk away. Just I come into the lunch saying, I need to talk to them about this and I need to talk to them about that. Get his advice on this stuff. And we never talk about that stuff. And yet I walk away at peace. 
because I, I realized in talking with him that the things that I was wrapped around were all trivial things that really didn't matter to my life, and I didn't need solutions to them because I already had the solutions and the attitudes that come with the steps. So, fish on the line, wiggling around, trying to find a good spot. I've been with Bill now for 10 years, I guess, and uh, and it still works for me. I guess it works for him because he hasn't fired me yet. Uh, and so that's my experience in finding, uh, I, I guess, so how do you find a sponsor? I look at these five instances I had, and in every case what I did was I looked for somebody who had what I wanted, and that's not the Ferrari. But what I mean is I look for somebody who had that shine in their eyes, who had that light to their face that said, I have peace in my soul. And when I saw that piece, I said, that's what I want in my life. And let me ask this person if he can show me how he got that. And it doesn't matter whether they were acted out the same way. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. It doesn't matter where they come from, although having them local matters a lot. That has been a big benefit to have to be local with my sponsor the last 10 years. But... uh, uh What matters is, am I willing to do what they did to get what they've got? Thanks, I'm Eric. Okay, uh, we have, did they give us any words about this? No, they didn't really. Uh, We have sharing to do, uh, questions and answers. If you've got questions and answers, feel free to ask them. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll answer from our own experience about what we may have. If nobody has any questions and answers, we can open it up for a mic. But I see a couple of hands back there. What's up? Good afternoon. My name is Ricky. I apologize for being late. Hi, Ricky. Uh, He's asking for good suggestions for a sponsor to read before taking on sponsees. Wow, I don't have a good answer for that one. Uh, there is, there's an excellent brochure from AA on sponsorship that has a lot of good advice in it for both sponsors and sponsees, and that's a good thing to read. But what I have done in sponsoring other people is basically to pass on what was given to me. And, and the things that I learned mostly from Ben and from Bill are, are what I use to help other people. Uh, I, I also, I, I also kind of consider a lot of recordings to be my sponsors too. And I've, I've listened to a lot of AA and SA recordings and I hear really good things from these people with lots of experience. And I incorporate that into what I help other people with. But my job as a sponsor is to help them work through the steps and learn to apply the steps to their life. And I don't have any business giving them advice on their life. I don't have any business trying to teach them my religion or my faith. My job is to help them learn to apply the steps to their life so that they can change their own lives. Steve? Make sure I'm understanding it. Before I got sponsees, my sponsor said, it's time for you to be a sponsor. I wasn't. You know, I, here again, I didn't feel ready. You know, I didn't feel qualified. 
Uh, but he was like, it's time for you to do it. And I did it. And I started learning. And, and like he was saying, I can only share from my experience. The problem is, is I want to start sharing from experience I don't have. You know, I can't really offer that. They don't, as my sponsor said, they don't want your, they don't need your opinion or your advice. They need your experience. And what's really hard for me is to say, I don't know. Or I'll get back to you on that. Or this person could be a good resource for something like that. Um, so I don't know if that's what you're asking, because if I understood the question, it was like, before you get a sponsor, what are, what are something that you should read or what are the questions or something like that? For me, it was just Alan said, okay, time for you to sponsor somebody. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Of course, you know, I'm never ready for any of this stuff. So, is that it? My question to you is, what is the line where you would say, okay, I have to do everything that my sponsor is telling me to do, or okay, this is not working for me, I have to look for a different sponsor? Uh, Ravi asks, uh, uh, where, where's the line between following everything your sponsor tells you to do and making a decision to find a new sponsor instead? Because what he's telling you to do, I gather your idea, is untenable for you. I don't know. <laughs> I... Uh, I mean, as I said, I, I have, I have, I did leave one sponsor. Well, I actually left three sponsors. Uh, the first one was just silliness on my part. The second one was because I moved. And the third one that I left was the sponsor who decided to move in with, with his girlfriend. And, uh, for me, that, that was a violation of the essay traditions and when he when he did that uh, that that just said to me okay obviously he really doesn't have what I want in terms of essay sobriety and so I probably need somebody else I, I have not reached a, I never reached a point where a sponsor asked me to do something that made me say I can't do that well I did early on but that was because I wasn't really listening and wasn't very surrendered okay Before I change sponsors, I have to really deeply consider what my motives are. Because um, I've been around a minute, and I know when people are sponsor shopping, right? They don't like the answers they're getting, and it's like, well, this is just, this is not acceptable, right? Uh, you know, you're looking for answers that make you feel good a lot of times. Um, so I've got to really be honest about, i got to be honest with myself, what am I really doing here? You know, if my sponsor isn't asking me to do something that I feel like violates the traditions and the principles that are laid out in the steps, I got to ask myself, what is the problem? Is it just unwillingness? Is it because I don't want to? And here again, my sponsor, he is not God. He is not a dictator. Right? I don't, ha I'm not, 
I can I can choose to say ah, I'm not going to do that. I've done that a couple times. Sometimes it's worked out okay. Sometimes it hasn't. <laughs> you know, but that's on me, right? So just because my sponsor is suggesting something, I generally take it as marching orders nowadays. But they are not a dictator. You know what I'm saying? Some of that, I'm giving people a lot of power when I'm putting them in that type of a position. Um, I've switched sponsors. I don't, you know, I don't know a hard, fast line on that, what he's saying either. I don't know if that answers the question. But, you know, I do know as an addict and an alcoholic and somebody who lies to themselves, I shop for what I like. You know what I'm saying? And so I've really got to, I got to get down here and see if that's what I'm doing. Because I've, I, before I take on a sponsee who says, hey, I'm going to find a new one, I always drill them really hard about why they're doing it. Because all they're going to do is repeat it, right? They're going to repeat it because I've had it happen. I don't know how many times, right? They're not getting the answers. they like, well, they're just not working the steps fast enough or whatever. And then you start working with them and they put their feet to a grind and halt no, it's, it has nothing to do with the sponsor. Generally, it doesn't. So that's just some of my experience with it. I thought I saw another hand up here. Here's a written question for us. I may have to get my glasses out. That is really neat handwriting. <laughs> How do I get past the roadblocks of uh, myself in dealing with the sponsor? I'm having a tough time with simple things like making daily and regular phone calls and developing a relationship and a connection because of me. Welcome to Sexaholics Anonymous. You belong. <laughs> That's, uh, uh, I mean, why did I act out? Why did I do the dangerous things I did that put my life at risk? Because I had learned through the years that when life was hard, and things got difficult, I could go off and hide in that stuff and get away from life for a little while, and it felt good to me. Even though it might have been painful stuff, the stuff I was doing, but still, it's in this strange, twisted mind of mine, it felt good to get away from life, to get away from the difficulties of life. And so the problem is always in me. That's what it's all about. And that's what the steps are for. The steps are there to open me up, to take this clamshell that I am and open me up to the point where I'm exposed to the world and find out that it's still okay to be exposed to the world. And that humility to do that was part of the big gift that Gene gave me, my second sponsor. That humility to recognize that I did not have the answers and I have to let go of myself and surrender to that sponsor. And, and that's a precursor to step three when you're going to surrender your life and your will to the care of God. That's everything I think and everything I do. I'm going to surrender to the care of God. And I better have a good God to do that. Better have some God that I can really believe in, or I'll at least try and see what happens. Sometimes it's this iterative thing. I decide to surrender a little bit, and it works, and so I decide to surrender a little more, and it works. Problems with me and getting myself out of the way are the entire reason for the steps, I think. So, thanks.
That's right. No, 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 no. I just, I think the first part of that question is, how do I get past the roadblocks of myself? And I thought, well, that is absolutely part of the third step and third step prayer, right? I don't think you understand the bondage of self until you understand the bondage of self, if that makes any sense at all, right? I'm absolutely chained to myself. And that's not a good thing all the time. And I have felt as as powerless over me as I ever have over lust. But as my sponsor would say, well, welcome to SA. Right? You're just another bozo on the bus. There's nothing unique about that question. How do I get over the roadblocks of myself one day at a time, you keep bringing that butt back to a meeting. <laughs> you keep getting on that phone. You keep talking about it. There's nothing sexy about it, guys. Right? It isn't. It is a very unglorious type of thing. Uh, as friends have said, growing up in public is is difficult, and that's what we do here. Um, simple things like making digit. There's and I always tell my sponsees this when they say, "Well, I just can't make a phone call." I'm like, "That's bull crap. You can too." What you can't do is you can't stop those thoughts coming in your head, right? You can't not have that imagination when you see a trigger. I believe you absolutely cannot stop that. I believe that. But to say that you can't make a phone call, that's not true. I don't buy that. And get get them you need to bear the weight of that right and it's okay if you have a difficult time making phone calls but be honest about it right be honest about it and that's okay welcome to the human race that's what i would tell my sponsees welcome to the human race and you're not going to approach it perfectly so if you think that you're going to approach it and and you're just you're just going to nail this thing you know what i'm saying you're not you're not it's going to be ugly and that's exactly the way that it's supposed to be. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. Exactly. That's what I believe. I don't see other, hand, other hands. Oh, here's one over here. Yes, sir. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a sexologic. Hi, Daniel. He's talking about the problem we have with dad, and uh, and you know, dad dad is that authority figure, and the sponsor also becomes an authority figure in your mind. Shouldn't be, but that's often the way it starts out. But and and so, how do you deal with that when you start butting up against that problem with dad? Do you find a new sponsor, or do you push through it? And the answer is emphatically push through it, because the only way we solve that problem is to address it, is to work it. Uh, <laughs> I could go on at length about the story of my dad. It's a powerful story, and I've shared it on recordings before. Uh, I, I ended up, I ended up at my father's bedside when he passed away ten years ago, and I was the only one in my family there, and held his hand, held his forehead as he died, felt his skin cool under my palm, 
And that had never been possible had it not been for pushing through those issues in step four and in step nine as part of the steps here. That was a tremendous gift that S.A. gave me to have a relationship with my father in the last 10 years of his life. Uh, came out of this. And, and it came out of being willing to surrender those fears and problems. Uh, and it's related to the last question, too. How do I get out of myself and surrender to it? Um, I, I talk these days about step three being a surrender of my life and my will to the care of God. And what does that actually look like on a moment-by-moment basis? What it means is in each moment, I ask myself, am I right now doing what it is that I think God, as I understand him, would have me do. And if I'm not, I stop doing that and I do something else. And how do I choose that something else? Well, I choose that something else based upon my understanding of what God would have me do now. Uh, And in early recovery, that has to be your sponsor. You've got to treat it that way and ask yourself, am I doing right now what I think my sponsor would have me be doing? I'm off at work. I'm working on the computer and writing emails and doing stuff like that. Is that what my sponsor would have me be doing right now? Is that an okay thing? And that test gets you past a lot of those problems, I think. Steve? For me, I'd like to say that I'm completely past it, but I'm not. I have grown, and I am better than I used to be. I believe I have to be understanding of myself. Uh, I turn authority figures into mom and dad, right? I don't mean to. It's just, you know, it's just what I've learned to do. Uh, say how I have, I haven't necessarily overcome it. I have grown through it. I recognize it now. I'm like, ah, uh, ah. Uh, you know, the first time I said no to my sponsor, Right. It was scary because I felt like I was saying no to God. You know what I'm saying? And that was my tradition that I grew up. You just can't do that. Actually, you can. Uh, And I can still be loved. Right. And I'm still lovable. I think the first thing for me is I got to learn how to accept myself. It's okay to be like I am. If you take the approach, well, I'm going to leave it because it's an imperfect situation. Right. This is not ideal. Well, you're just going to take the problem with you and you're going to remanufacture it in the next one, right? Because the problem is not the sponsor. The problem is me, right? The problem is me that I keep putting in the four step. He talks about it, right? Bill Wilson, he says, we, we see these in the world and they, the people, they really master us, right? That's what we're doing. We, we're putting them in a, a position of power and they have control over us. So you can leave that sponsor, but I rest assured, rest assured, the next one you go to, you're going to be doing the exact same thing, right? It's a lot of thing in relationships. Well, I'll get out, but the next one, I'll get it right on the next one. No, you won't. It's going to be the same thing. So I always, you know, I always say try to work through it and give yourself grace and try to understand where you're coming from with it, right? Because you're not going to do it perfectly. You're not going to do it perfectly. And that's okay. That is absolutely. I stay away from people who say they do it perfectly or they put off that pretense. I want none of that snake oil. I don't want none of that. Right? I don't want nothing of it. So I, I, I like getting with people who are, you know, they're down in the trenches with me. 
That's 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 my fellowship. That's what I need. One of the things that I had trouble deciding to be a sponsor. I mean, I know all the reasons. It's step twelve. It's to help you stay. Is that I've been reared where I'm supposed to have the answers to everything, and it's hard for me to sit with someone not solve the problem. And, you know, I've decided I kind of got to work the three steps again. I'm tireless. I don't have the answer. And it happened to me this morning. Somebody came into me in the hall before we finished. I guess I look like a sex officer. We've got to keep the questions short because it's dead air here. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So what I need to do is to go back and remind myself I don't have the answers. I have to approach it so the question and comment here is in being a sponsor and deciding to be a sponsor how do you give up the idea that I'm supposed to have the answers and have all the answers and and the gentleman suggests that it really requires going back to step one two and three and surrendering my ability to be the perfect sponsor to uh, to have all the right answers and and to let God speak through me. I think putting some words in your head, and uh, uh, yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh, being a sponsor, though, if you're coming up on it, we had an earlier question on that too. Uh, <clears throat> it's a wonderful experience, and it just amazes me these days. I, I get calls from people who now have their own good sobriety. And and they're just friendly calls and friendly people, and we have a wonderful time talking with each other. And every time I get one of those calls, I am uplifted by it. And it, it fulfills my life and gives me a sense of uh, of being and, uh, and helpfulness and service to others that's just really powerful. And, and I'm not a good sponsor. I really am not. I was talking with somebody just before the meeting who says he's sponsoring 14 different people right now. He's got 17 months in the program, and he's sponsoring 14 people. And I'm sitting here with in the program for 20 years, and I've got one active sponsee right now. I just don't know how to dedicate that time to sponsees to do it. I'm not very good at it. Uh, but the ones I have sponsored have been immensely rewarding to me to do it. Steve's got no answer there. Back there. Hi, Robert. Uh, Robert, Robert, I, I can see you've got some real good things to say. Why don't you come up here and put them on the mic? Okay. Once again, I'm Robert. I'm a sexaholic. As I said, I came into the uh, SA program the same day I came into the AA program. That was 26 months ago. And uh, I was finishing up my career, and I'm in a business where you try to get things done right. But I realize that this is a different animal. And I find SA to be totally different, for me at least it is, than AA. In my AA program, I have uh, 
two sponsees now. I'm actively involved. I go on the board later on this month. You have to have two years of sobriety. Um, I have a good relationship with my sponsor, my grand sponsor, and his sponsor, and my sponsee, and uh, he's sponsoring someone now. But this program, I've been through four sponsors. My first one and I, we had personality conflict that was understandable. Second one, Alan C. He went back out. Third one, came to one meeting, disappeared after that. And uh, the fourth one, we got all the way up to the 10th step. And I would call, but he doesn't call back. A very shy, introverted guy. And um, we'd get to where we would text, you know. And I work my steps. I try to do them to the best of my building. Just lack of communication just faded away. You know, and I talked to Harvey about it. He's he's had a lot of experience here. It's just usually it's the sponsee. It's not the sponsor. I don't know if that's the case. Um, you know, I'm willing to work hard and try, but I'm to the point like I can't break this nut here. I can't get into this program. Am I too old? Am I? I don't look the part. You know, I just people just don't seem to accept me. Uh, you know, for what I am or what I do. But uh, anyway, I'm trying, and uh, it's not easy. And you think you want to go it alone, and I know it's something I don't want to do. But I do want to look for you know a good sponsor. I want to have a good relationship with someone like I do my AA program. But I find them, at least for me, to be two totally different animals. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. Question over here. Yeah, sure, you want to share? Come on up. I'm Hal, sexaholic. I was speaking with uh, Eric right before the session. It's actually more than 40 sponsees. Uh, and that doesn't, I'm just a sexaholic. There's no, it's principles over personalities. Came into the rooms in 2008. I was a chronic slipper until 2018. So I'm at 17 months of sobriety. Um, I have sponsees who have sponsees. Okay. I have a sponsor, a grand sponsor, and his sponsor. They all have spiritual consent in my life. They can call me on my BS, and I welcome it. Um, I concur with whoever said the problem often lies with the sponsee. I'm on sponsor number eight. I faulted them for my slips over the years. I, but every time I see them now, I, I'm always grateful Uh the key is honesty, open-mindedness, willingness, and uh, the thing about, like for me, the, the turnaround happened when I began to sponsor. I was three days sober, four days sober, I think. I called Kay, was still with here in Nashville, and uh, she says, well, what's your sobriety day? Because I said, I need to sponsor somebody. I, I can't, if, I got to give this program away, but I, I only had four days. And she says, why don't you focus on your area there in Virginia? And, and so I um, found somebody in the phone meeting. I had already had my name on that list, but I'd had a slip since then, so I didn't want to go back into there. You know, I didn't have the 60 days. But what happened was the guy uh, that facilitated that phone meeting called me. He says, are you still looking to sponsor? It's like, yes. I was scared. But I, I have I stand on the shoulders of giants, in my opinion. They wouldn't call themselves that. But these sponsors, grand sponsor, and they just I don't have the have to I don't need to have the answer. I'm not God. I think I heard that as well. Just try. That that's the only word in the steps that says tried and Bill was intentional. Having had a spiritual awakening, we tried to carry the message. That's the key to spiritual awakening. It's not really about sobriety day, but sobriety is often kind of used as a touchstone to kind of give us an idea. 
I was on fire. I, w- I acted out twice on August the 3rd, 2018. Woke up as if I was on fire. It's like, like okay, I got to carry this message. You know, and so now with sponsees, they can fire me. I don't fire any sponsees. Really, they fired me if they're not doing what I'm inviting them to do. So every interaction, I'm carrying a message. So that's kind of more from, I guess, perspective of sponsoring. But in 17 months, my life has, if you knew me back in the day, chronic disease, uh, you know, depression, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But sponsoring, using my sponsors, my lineage, and, uh, and I check in on my sponsors as well, and it, it's working. So if, I'd say if anyone has any questions or thoughts, you, if you can't get what you're looking for, I'd love to connect with you after this. Thank you. Thanks, Hal. Uh, anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. And uh, let's close with a moment of silence and then the third step prayer remembering those who should be here in art. Prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better help. Difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy love, thy power, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Thank you all. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.